Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on up the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast at Mariners Pod on Twitter. Thanks for being here. We have a lot to talk about. Two games to go over against the Boston Red Sox. A series win for the Mariners. Off day to day, they take on the New York Metropolitans starting on Friday. We will preview the series coming up in the podcast tomorrow. Also, coming up in the podcast tomorrow. Fun conversation. We are going to talk about Felix and the Hall of Fame. Very interesting article written by Graham Womack, who's been on the podcast before. So he's going to return. He wrote it for the Sporting News about Felix and his Hall of Fame chances. We'll also hear from Felix coming up in the podcast tomorrow. So that will be a fun one. You can look forward to that. And as a reminder, I do this every once in a while, just a reminder that you can grab the podcast on iTunes you can find it at mariners.com slash podcasts. It's on Stitcher. It's on TuneIn. Uh, it's on Google Play. So you can get it just about anywhere. And if there's anywhere else where you need to find it, I'm also working on SoundCloud as well. I'll try and get it up there. Uh, if there's anywhere else, though, that you would enjoy hearing it or it would be easy to, uh, easier for you to access, just let me know. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to field any questions as well. Anytime you have them, at Gary Hill Jr. on Twitter, GaryHillPXP at gmail.com, a couple places you can reach me. So really about anything, it, I'll, I'll try and, you know, answer your questions the best I can. So, yeah, feel free to send me those. So there we go. So let's get to the Mariners as they win the series against the Boston Red Sox. Go back to the beginning, James Paxton dominates in the first ball game and we talked about it after that really game two of the series was going to be key if you wanted to win the series because the truth of the matter is you were facing chris sale in game three of the series and we'll talk more about that when we get to game three but let's talk about the second game a magnificent ball game how many of you stayed up for the whole thing that's my question because it went late into the night and early into the next morning fantastic ball game though a back and forth ball game Felix on the hill who really dominated early in the ball game low pitch count I mean he was absolutely cruising the Mariners able to construct a lead early in the ball game as they went to work offensively with the long ball the 0-1 pitch swing and a drive deep to left field going and going it is gone goodbye baseball over the top of Edgar's Cantina fared down the left field line, a three-run home run with two outs by Guillermo Heredia, his sixth home run of the season. And just like that, the Mariners have taken a 3-0 lead here in the bottom of the second. It was just to the left of the hand-operated scoreboard, to the left of Edgar's Cantina. What a blast by Heredia, number six on the year. And the Mariners lead Boston 3 to nothing. So three big runs on the board for the Mariners. 
But Boston would charge back. They put a run on the board in the fourth, a three spot in the sixth inning. But the Mariners are tight in the seventh. Mike Zanino getting it done. The pitch. Swinging a high fly out towards left center field. Some carry. Bradley is looking. He is watching. It is gone. This game is tied at four. Mike Zanino's 15th of the season, and we are right back where we started. 15th for Mike Zanino. At the time, he hit it third most for any catcher in the major leagues. Pretty remarkable. And then bullpens would come on for both teams, and they would pitch very well in this one, although it wasn't always easy, like the 11th for the Mariners, James Pazos. Able to squirm out of trouble in the 11th. And the 0-2 on the way to Devers, and here she comes. Swing and a miss, strike three with a slider. Holy smokes, Pazos gets himself out of a jam. And the Red Sox leave two stranded here in the top half of the 11th inning. And, you know, in games like this where it, it keeps going and going, the tension just mounting and mounting, the drama, everything else, and ended up being huge. Kimbrell pitched in this one, pitched an inning, and the Mariners made him work. So he threw 30 pitches. Doug Fister would take over for him on the mound. Meanwhile, Felix goes five and two-thirds. Bullpen comes on and – doesn't give up a run until the 13th inning. Tony Zick working in his second inning. Boston Red Sox take the lead in the 13th. The pitch on the way. Swing and a broken band. Line drive. Base in the left field. Ramirez running third inning home. Up with the ball. Gamble. The throw to Zanino. Down with a tag. And safe at home is Romero. And Ramirez. The ball is dropped by Zanino. And the Red Sox have the lead. Five to four here in the top of the 13th inning. So that would set up the dramatics in the bottom of the 13th for the Mariners. Kyle Seeger striking out to start the inning. Himmich Hanniger would walk. Gamble would ground out in a fielder's choice. Hanniger out at second. So Gamble on at first. Heredia comes through with a base hit. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball. Softly hit right center field. Drops in a base hit. Gamble running second. Heading for third. The throw to third. Not in time. Betts' throw to third was late. Guillermo Heredia with a base hit into right field. And the Mariners have the tying run 90 feet away at third. Mariners one out away from it being ball game. Heredia comes through with a monster hit. And then the Mariners would tie it up. He delivers to Zanino, and it's in the dirt. The ball gets up by Leon. Here comes Gamble on the score. Ball game tied at five. Heredia to third. The throw to 30 slides. He is safe at third. Holy smokes, I don't believe it. The Mariners have tied it on a wild pitch. So they tie it on a wild pitch. Zanino would walk, and that would set up. The heroics. The 0-2 to Segura. Swing and a ground ball up the middle. In behind second, Bogarts. He's got an off-balance on the first. Not in time. The Mariners win it. Heredia will score. Segura with an infield base hit. The Mariners win it. 6-5 to five here in the bottom of the 13th inning. Fantastic stuff. The Mariners win it. 6-5. to five. They take the series at that point. So they win the series. The bullpen, magnificent. Just a great game all the way around. And, you know, at that point, playing with house money, 
going into yesterday, day baseball at Safeco Field, a gorgeous day for baseball. Not as much fun, though, facing Chris Sale, who is by far and away the front runner for the Cy Young Award in the American League. And the Mariners saw that firsthand yesterday. The 2 2. Swing and a tick foul right back to the glove of Leon. Leon, a 91 mile an hour slider. 11 strikeouts over seven scoreless innings spun by Chris Sale. Likely, hopefully, done for the day. <laughs> hopefully, it was right. I mean, he goes seven in the ballgame, three hits. No runs, one walk, 11 punch shots. He has not given up a run in his last three starts. The numbers for him are ridiculous on so many different levels. First of all, just the volume of strikeouts. Now 211 strikeouts this season. 211. To put that into context, the next closest in the American League, Chris Archer, who's having a great strikeout season, 167. That's the next closest. Clo next closest after that, Corey Kluber at 149. I mean, it is unbelievable the numbers he is putting up. And just things like, well, he hasn't given up a double to a lefty this season. I mean, it's almost August, and he has not given up a double to a lefty. You look at his losses, quote-unquote losses, and <laughs> four of them, he has fanned double digits in all four of his losses with an ERA at like two and a half. And I, it made me look because I was curious, like, who holds the record for most losses in a season with double-digit strikeouts? And it's Nolan Ryan. He did it eight times. There's just been a handful of others that's done it. Sales have already done it four times. Just a handful of others that have done it more than four. And Randy Johnson, and Nolan Ryan, some of the guys you may expect, some of the – Huge strikeout number guys are on that list. But Chris Sale just having a magnificent year, dominated in the game yesterday. Andrew Moore on the mound. He ended up going six and two-thirds, giving up four runs. Long ball the issue. He gave up two home runs on 103 pitches during his start, and that's all the Red Sox needed. One in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth. Moore would settle down, pitch well. The bullpen finish it off again. But Boston, seven innings of sale, two-thirds of Kimbrell after the Mariners made things interesting in the ninth inning. But the Red Sox get it done. I do want to give credit, point out one specific at-bat that was awfully impressive. Gamble, lefty on lefty, 10-pitch A-B in the sixth inning, and Gamble gets a base hit off sale. It was really impressive. The 10th pitch to Gamble. Swing and he loops it into shallow right center field. Dropping in for a base hit at War of Parachute. And Ben Gamble, a 10-pitch battle with Chris Sale. And he is the victor, a leadoff single. It's amazing. And I was looking at it a couple of days ago after the first game of the series. Highest lefty versus lefty batting average in Mariners history. And not surprisingly, Ichiro is all over this list. In 2004, he batted 404 against lefties. He's second on the list, 359 and 03. Griffey in 92 hit 358. Ichiro in 02, 356. In 05 and 06, he hit 352. And Gamble. 
351 against lefties as of a couple of games ago. That is really, really impressive that he is on that list. We'll see if he can keep the role going, but he really hangs in there. And, I mean, nothing more impressive than that against the toughest lefty there is going in Major League Baseball right now. But the Red Sox get the win 4 nothing over the Mariners. The M's now 51-52. and Here's what Scott Service said after the ball game. Yeah, no, after a, a long, crazy game last night, uh, you know, matched up against Sale today. We knew that was uh, going to be a, uh, you know, going to be a tight game, trying to keep it as tight as we can and hopefully get a chance to, to get out him late. But, uh, you know, he's the reason he's been probably the most dominant starter in the American League this year, and then we saw it today. I think, um, you know, mixing in, you know, the slider, the change-ups, locating the fastball, um, you know, we... Created a couple opportunities at the leadoff double by Segura uh, in that inning might get us going, but he just you know dialed it up uh, another notch after that and, and struck out three guys there. But uh, uh, you know, again, you know, the goal coming in here was to win the series. Uh, we did accomplish that, uh, which was great. Obviously, it's the first place club over there, uh, which we're trying to, to move up the standing. So it was important to, to have a good series. I, I thought we did play well. We just got shut down today. Um, you know, Andrew Moore. Um, you know, the home run ball continues to get him a little bit. I think. Uh, you know, I think after the two-run homer to Leon, the mistake he made there with the curveball, you know, he settled in and get the next 10 guys out or get one hit and got a double play ball, um, you know, from there. But, uh, you know, he's learning. Um, certainly like his competitiveness and how he goes about it. It just, you know, didn't have that pitch to finish him today. And, you know, the home run ball got him. So, uh, you know, day off, uh, probably need it here uh, with kind of the pitching and the bullpen. You know, we've used it the last couple of days. But, you know, we'll get back after it against the Mets on the weekend. And that's a big series as well. You know, I think it's it's a combination of all his pitches. I think the, the the breaking ball is the one that's been inconsistent. You know, he'll throw some good ones, and then he left the ball, you know, up to Leon for the two-run homer. That's been the one that's been inconsistent. You know, it's pretty much fastball changeup, and have always been his pitches. But you know, having the third pitch, certainly trying to get through a lineup uh, a third time, is really really important. And you know, he's learning. He's a young pitcher uh, at this level, and you make mistakes up in the zone and. You know, it usually doesn't end up as a good result. So, again, uh, he's competitive. He's a smart kid. He'll continue to work his tail off and, and continue to get away from Zanino today completely. Oh, yeah. You know, you're looking at, at matchups there and how Kimbrell does it. Uh, Chooch has seen Kimbrell probably a little bit more than Mike has. And, uh, you know, it, Craig Kimbrell's as good as he's getting as well. You know, so you, you're just kind of rolling the dice, hoping we get one more guy on, get Robbie up there. And I thought that was our best chance and hopefully trying to get one. Get, get Robbie to get one swing at him. It just didn't happen today. But Ben Gamble at bat in the sixth inning to get that off of that guy after a couple of that's. Yeah, I think we're all seeing what Ben Gamble can do on an everyday basis against the best pitchers in the league. Uh, he hangs in there. Uh, it was a Chapman last series. It's it's Sale. Doesn't get any tougher uh, for a young left-handed hitter. And Ben doesn't back off. You know, he's got a good swing. Uh, when he's on time, he can hit a lot of different pitches, you know, in the zone. And he's been really on time here the last few weeks. He's been been really great to see how he's playing, how he's going about it, and not intimidated by anybody or whoever's out there. Oh, I think so. You know, when you're grinding through it, I know coming out of the All-Star break, you know, we had a goal set very high. We had to get on a roll winning series. And, you know, our guys have been busting it, getting after it pretty good. So, you know, off day is always good for position players this time of year. And, you know, we do carry the extra guy in the bullpen. So it doesn't allow you maybe to give those guys as many days off. But it's good to get Espinosa in there today. And I thought he did a nice job defensively, and uh, he'll help us. Because Moore is third outing in a row where he's given up some runs. Are you, how comfortable are you with him? 
they're going to give up runs in this league because the other guys get paid to hit too. Um, I, I think you have to understand, you know, with a young pitcher, you have to have patience. You know, there's going to be some growing pains. He, he is learning. Uh, I do like the way he is able to make adjustments in game. He's done that a number of times to stretch out an outing. He doesn't fold because he gives up a home run or anything like that. He continues to battle and understand how important it is uh, for him to get deep in the game so he doesn't eat up our whole bullpen. He did it again today. You know, he gets the last 10 guys out and, you know, he gives you a chance, keeps it right there. So, uh, gotta be patient. You know, that's what you have to do with young players. Uh, he's on fumes, you know, and we ran Emilio Pagan pretty hard, you know, the two, three inning outings he had and, you know, trying to get him a couple days. He was up yesterday in the bullpen if that game would have got extended. So uh, he just didn't have much in the tank, but he did not quit. You know, the base are loaded and he finds a way to get out of it. So, you know, I uh, appreciate the effort by him as well. That was the skipper. I forgot to mention coming up in this podcast, Mike Zanino is going to talk about the 13 inning game, which is pretty awesome. And Raul Labanez was at the ballpark a few days ago, so he'll share some stories coming up in a few minutes. But the complexion of the American League playoff chase has kind of changed in the past few days. When you look at the East, now with the Mariners taking the series over Boston, Yankees back to playing a really good ball. They've won three in a row. Mariners saw that firsthand. The Yankees now just one game back of Boston in the East in Tampa, They've won two in a row, two and a half back. The Central has gotten tight as well. Cleveland, they've won six in a row, 54 and 45. But Kansas City, they've won eight in a row, and they're just a game and a half back in the Central. So the divisions are getting a little more tighter. Meanwhile, the wild card race is looking very interesting as well. So the Yankees holding the first one, winners of three in a row. The Royals, eight in a row. They're holding the second one. Tampa's one game back of Kansas City. Mariners are three and a half back of Kansas City. So the Mariners have Tampa to jump over to get to KC. And what's interesting now, when you look at the Mariners' schedule, it's hard to believe August is almost here. I recommend getting to the ballpark this weekend. And, again, we'll talk about the Mets series coming up. But you're just not going to have a chance to see the Mariners in person very often in the month of August. So this is a weekend to do it. Because after this weekend, the Mariners head to Texas for the Rangers starting on Monday, and this brutal August begins. But some really, really key series in this month. So they go to Texas for three, and then the weekend after, the Kansas City Royals for four. Royals right now holding one of the wild card spots. Then the A's for a couple before returning home. There's only one home series in the month of August. The Angels are one home stand, two series. The Angels for four, Baltimore for three. And then it's back out onto the road with just a marathon road trip. But how important is this? Tampa for three, then to Atlanta for three, at Yankee Stadium for three, and then Baltimore for three games. You come home and it's September. And you get a chance to spend home a lot of September at home, at Safeco Field, playing the division. But some chances in August. I mean, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, New York, all the teams that you're staring at right now. So really destiny in their own hands coming up in the month of August. So we'll talk more about that and more about the Mets coming up in the podcast tomorrow. But pretty interesting, I think, when you look at the schedule and where this team wants to go. So a huge win, though, the 
second game of the series in extra innings to get the series win. Mike Zanino talked about it with Shannon Dreyer. Mike Zanino, what does it feel like to catch? I guess it was 12 innings for you last night. Oh, it's always good. Uh, it's always good when you come out on the winning end. But uh, uh, it, it was a good game by everybody yesterday. I mean, our bullpen did a great job as usual. Uh, I mean, keeping us in that thing. And uh, offense stepped up when we needed it too. And it was uh, just a fun game to be a part of. All right, answer the question. Physically, what does it feel like 12 innings behind the plate? Oh, uh, the legs are a little heavy. <laughs> but uh, you know what? It, it's not too bad. I mean, luckily it's not too much longer but uh, than a regular game. But you uh, I mean, it takes a ter- uh, toll on you more mentally than physically just because you're you're trying to stay in those suspenseful innings and trying to get guys through certain innings. So uh, it's one of those where, where to be able to shut the mind off mentally after that's a big thing. Is it different home and away in those situations? I mean, obviously at home you are trying to win the game. On the road you're trying to not lose the game. Yeah, I mean, definitely definitely at home you you know you have a little bit more wiggle room knowing that you get the last at bat. Uh, on the road you're definitely trying to put the pressure on them. But uh, I thought we got fortunate facing Kimbrell rather early in the game so when they had the lead we didn't face them. But, uh, you know, yeah, you, you definitely get those last at bats and, you mean, going in there knowing you need one to win and, or uh, one to tie and two to win, uh, you can sort of take those at bats and know that base runners are the biggest thing. The Kimbrell inning, I was right over there in the camera well and it was so fun to watch because everybody was up on the – on the rail right here, and I was looking at you because I was going to talk to you about that inning, thinking he doesn't have to worry about it. They either win it or, you know, you're not facing Kimbrel, so you can kind of watch that one. It was a good place for me to be at that time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, one of the best closers in the game right now. I mean, his stuff's unbelievable. Um, I thought we put some great at-bats against him and, uh, I mean, really drove the pitch count up, so yeah. not sure if that's going to affect him if, if they use him today or not, but uh, as a team, I thought we put really good at-bats against him. How does Danny Valencia catch a 101-mile-an-hour fastball? He can hit, you know, and uh, he uses the whole field, so he, he caught it deep, and we, we were giving him a hard time. He was he looked shocked that he hit it over that way, so uh, <laughs> but we were busting his chops a little bit this morning, but, uh, you know, it, it's not an easy guy to get a hit off of, so when you do it, it's something to be proud of. I don't know if you know this, but Stackhouse has that as the, fast, the hardest pitch that he his throne. Well, I mean, he, even more. So let's not tell Danny that because then he'll he, he'll be bragging about that one for a week. But uh, no, I mean, he showed a lot of heaters yesterday. He's got one of the better ones that right up in the zone. So he did a good job again on top of it using the other field. Absolutely. You prefer not to see him today and you may have taken care of that last night. On your side, uh, Pazos, that inning was interesting. You had to get him through that. What what do you have to do in that situation? You just got to slow him down and, and have him trust his stuff. Uh, I mean, you could tell he was sort of feeling for it. He wanted to work ahead. Uh, he wasn't sure in a couple of situations if guys were going to bunt or not. So he was just trying to place the ball in there. Uh, we told him just to trust his stuff and let it rip. Uh, he really settled in through a couple of really good sliders late to get a punch out. you know. And he settled nicely. His stuff's great. He's just got to trust it from the get-go. And kind of like the Kimbrell at bat, you had the other prime seat for what was going on in the 13th, which was funny. I mean, run scores, you're at the plate. You don't even have to put bat on ball. Mm-hmm. But before that, Kiro is at bat. I mean, uh, it, he had great at-bats the whole night. And uh, I think it just sort of shows his whole year. I mean, he doesn't give at-bats away. He grinds at-bats out. Uh, he's got such a good ability to put the bat on the ball and, and fight off pitches. And for him to do that just sort of gave us a momentum boost. Um, I was so impressed by his base running, too. I mean, obviously going first to third on a wild pitch and just sort of catch them not paying attention was huge because that then that allowed something for Gene just to hit a single up the middle and him to score easily. What was kind of fun was to watch the early work out there today. I know base running has been a kind of yeah. emphasis for you guys, and, and you saw it before the game yesterday. Yeah, we've uh, we've been better since we've done that. And, uh, you mean, we, we just can't afford to give outs on the bases, but we still want to be aggressive. And, uh, you know, just being able to go over it, sometimes you don't have the time to do it, or you mean you're on long road trips, but to put a little time 
him into doing that it has really helped us on the bases. Lastly, four extra inning wins for this team since the All-Star break. Almost every win has been comeback win. What are you guys doing? What are you seeing from this group in those situations? Uh, We've we just been resilient. You know, uh, everyone's uh, believing in one another, and uh, we're, we're trusting the process of, of our bats and, and our pitching staff. And, uh, you mean, you don't always want to take your chances in those late inning games or comeback uh, wins, but... You know, it, we need them, and uh, hopefully we can come out and uh, score some runs early and win a game that way. And we get to welcome back Raul Abanez. Chance to visit with uh, one of the outstanding hitters and also one of the nicest guys to ever put on a Mariners uniform. He had over 2,000 hits in his 19-year Major League career, over 300 home runs, and uh, he was really something special. Raul Ibanez. Raul, what's it like to come back home to Seattle and see what's going on here at Safeco Field? Rick, it's amazing to be just to know that I was fortunate enough to be a part of this uh, tremendous history, Mariner history for 40 years, and to come back here and visit. Uh, it's like a homecoming every time I come back here. So, and this place was home up until recently, yeah. where we moved back to Florida, uh, you know, yeah. to be closer to our, our immediate family uh, members. But it's always like coming home here, and it's the most beautiful ballpark in baseball. You came up with the Mariners organization. You were a catcher, and you turned yourself into an outstanding outfielder, sometimes at first base and DH. And then you went away to Kansas City. Then you came back. Then you went away, and you came back in 2012 or 2013. What kept you coming back to Seattle, Raul? Uh, Rick, I always tell people it's uh, the fungus philosophy. You try to pour something on the fungus, it keeps coming back. I was that fungus. Can't get rid of me no matter what you do. I always came back here because, like I said, I learned how to play baseball as a Seattle Mariner in the minor leagues. I learned the Mariner way back then. It was play hard, play the right way. Uh, We had guys like Jim Scalen running the minor league systems that emphasized uh, not just being a great player or being the best player that you can be, but being a good person and, and making a difference. You know, I always saw myself wearing a Mariner uniform. It was my first uniform, and it was, you know, my first love in professional baseball. So just kept coming back. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> I'm glad you kept coming back, buddy. You you were my neighbor there up there in the Issaquah Plateau for a long time. You played for a guy who played the game the right way, wanted you guys to play the game the right way, Lou Pinello. What was it like playing for Lou? From the perspective of, of winning every day, what I learned from Lou Pinella was every pitch was the most important pitch, every inning was the most important inning, and every game was the most important game in the world. And I learned that there was no tomorrow for Lou. And, and at the time when you're a young player, you're watching that, you're thinking, well, we have to you know, plan for the next week or the next month. And he was very well planned and well thought out. But that game, that moment was like the end of the world if you didn't win that game. And I learned that from being around Lou Pinella. So Major League Baseball games are, are to be cherished and treasured. That's the goal. The goal is to win every inning, every pitch, and every game. Let's talk about Raul Ibanez's first moment. 1996, you come up with a ball club. What do you remember about your Major League debut in a Mariners uniform? I remember I'm in Milwaukee. Uh, I remember uh, getting a, I was going to pinch hit and standing on deck. Uh, the, the inning ended, but before that inning ended, I was on deck and my heart was going to pop out of my chest, and I felt like the whole stadium knew that my heart was popping out of my chest and it just kept going pretend just fake it fake like you're feeling super comfortable and the best thing that happened that any rick was the guy before me made the last out so i was able to go back down underneath gather regroup relax and and uh, hit a fly ball to deep right field that they wound up catching and almost hit a homer in my first half bat outstanding visiting with raul ibanez here in the mariners 40th anniversary set of interviews and raul you 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 know had an outstanding career what were some of your fondest memories here in Seattle in a Mariners uniform? I think clinching in 1997 was a big deal because uh, as a young player, I didn't really know what was going on. And I thought, 
oh, this happens every year, and I'll never forget Norm Charlton pulled me aside, specifically aside, and said to me, you don't realize how lucky you are to do this. Don't take this for granted. Enjoy every moment of it. And I, I thought to myself, well, he's right, but, but, you know, let me just enjoy this moment. It wasn't until 2009 that I was back on a playoff field, on a playoff roster, and Norm's words kept ringing in my head. So that moment I remember very fondly, but I also remember, you know, watching Junior perform, just the joy that it was to watch Junior perform. I remember watching Junior rob Luis Gonzalez in Detroit of a play, and I was playing first base. There was a guy on first base, Rick, and Junior goes over the fence and catches this thing, belt waist over the fence almost. That metal fence. That metal fence. He jumps over it, catches it, turns around, and fires back to first. And in my mind, I got my hands on my head, which I didn't, thankfully, but I I just became a fan, a spectator. He threw back to first base, and I go, wait a minute, that's me. I'm on the field because I was trying to be the cutoff man towards the plate there. So I had to run back to first. We didn't get the guy at first base, but I had never become a fan like that on a baseball field since that moment. It was amazing. What a great story. How many times were you in left field with Junior in center? What was that like? There was a few times I just kept my big thing was don't run into him. <laughs> don't run into him. I was, a, I was a, a backup player at the time, and I was like, whatever you do, don't run into him. Be aware. It's better the ball to drop than for you to drop him. And, and then they drop you to AAA. So back, yeah. to, back to Tacoma. So uh, I do remember that. But just, um, you know, what a, what a legend he is and was. And uh, just being next to him and watching his reads and his jumps on the baseball is just a, a treat. What did you learn from Edgar Martinez? When it came to hitting, I learned so much from Edgar Martinez. It's, it's ridiculous. I learned the importance of, of being a, a quality hitter and using the whole field and not just being a pull, happy, hungry, you know, trying to pull everything. I learned that there was so much value in becoming a quality hitter and a, and a, a hitter with a 300 mindset that sprays the ball to the whole field. And Edgar was a surgeon with, with the bat in his hands and his – the, the love of the craft and the mastery of his craft is something that I, I really learned from him, that, that passion and that, that wanting to be the best that he could be. Great to have you back. Thanks a lot for the visit, buddy. You're the best, Rick. Thank you. That's belted for Dick! Yes! And the Mariners are right back in. It's 5-4 as Raul Mutt is stumbling as he rounds second base, almost fell flat on his face. But Raul Ibanez with his first major league home run. It's something to talk about, baby. Swing and a high fly ball deep to right field. Calhoun going back, looking up. There it is. Career home run number 300 for Raul Ibanez. Yeah, of course it's humbling. I mean, like I said before, the first hitting book I ever read, my high school coach gave me. It was Ted Williams, The Science of Hitting. Um, And... And like I said the other day, my dad told me that Ted Williams used to swing at the same leaf over and over. I don't know if it was true or not, but I went out and did it. But I did it because my dad told me to do it, and he said that Ted Williams did it, and he was the greatest hitter that ever lived. But, I, you know, I, my career should not be mentioned in the same breath as Ted Williams uh, ever. So, um, But I did look to it, to his season at 41 a few years back as inspiration because I wanted to see if guys late in their career back then, you know, could still do it and uh and you know i was so i did know that he had 29 hormones i didn't come in here thinking that i mean who would have thought yeah so just kind of go day by day and day by day by day by day see you later